just uh, take a moment and kind of, uh, I guess, lay a little bit of a foundation here for this evening. And um, it's it's kind of been unique. The first week, I was I was just as nervous as everyone, all of the guys. And then each week, it's gotten a little better. Still quite nervous, but last week the ladies came and they were all nervous for their first night and now we brother Middleton and sister Evans and so um, anyway we are we are um, I, I, I believe I, I feel very um, positive that the Lord is going to help us this evening and kind of again for this season uh, bring bring some some um, is if I could say positive closure. I feel like the last couple of weeks have been very important, and um, as we talked about the last two weeks, part of the the burden and the goal was to bring some of the realization that um, there are brothers and sisters among us that not only have in the past faced uh, their own set of challenges and circumstances along the lines of racism and prejudice. Um, but but also realizing it's 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 still a challenge and and again there are those that we know there are those that we love we fellowship with we're in the body together um, that that this has had an impact on their lives um, and as I've said the last couple of weeks uh, there's there's no way that a couple of nights this being our third night of focusing like this that you accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished in three weeks. So I, I just want to I want to state that again. I am not under the impression that uh, we we solve and fix everything by a, a couple of evenings. But I, I do believe that the Spirit of the Lord has done some very important things, and I feel like that it's it's uh, reinforcing a foundation for us for the future. And so uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to this evening and, and kind of the direction that the Lord is, is giving us to go. And so I, I want to read a couple of verses, and, and you'll recognize these if you've been a part of the last couple of weeks because we've used them several times. But I, I want to use them again kind of as our launching point this evening. And that's Galatians chapter 3 and starting with verse 27. And Paul says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, ye are all one in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read two other translations here. The New Century Version says it this way, In Christ... There is no difference between Jew and Greek, slave and and free person, male and female. You are all the same in Christ Jesus. And then the Message Bible. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female, among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. And and uh, touched on this the first the first week a little bit. This is to me this verse 
sort of encapsulates the goal, uh, the target that we are striving for in the body of Christ. But, but to get there, to get to the point that there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, we're not, we're not uh, segregating based on race or economics or education, we, that we have to embrace that. We have to allow that process to happen. And, and uh, I don't want to I don't want to get too far ahead of, of what I, I think we're going to touch on a little bit here this evening but just because we are in the church it, it does not automatically mean that we overcome the hurts and the wounds of our past it's it's kind of like I mean you can you can buy a membership to the gym and go walk around the gym for an hour it doesn't mean you're getting in shape it doesn't mean you're being benefited by you've got to engage yourself in that process and in the gym that can be a very painful process and this can be a very painful process when you're overcoming the hurts and the wounds of the past and so um, I, I, I think it's important that we acknowledge that this is not just a, sort of a a default thing that automatically happens just because we're now in the church. That we have to be willing to embrace that process and allow the Lord to work in us individually to bring us to the place where we can embrace the attitude that there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's there's neither black nor white, there's it's not Hispanic and Asian and all these, but we are truly one body and and we are all equal in that body. So so that's kind of the uh, a little bit of the context and the foundation uh, of of this evening. And um, I, I believe that uh, both Sister Evans and Brother Middleton are going to uh, share some things that are going to help demonstrate, give us some uh, living examples. Of, of working through and letting go and being healed of some things that potentially could have caused them to remain sort of at odds with the body. And so, uh, but before we get there, and, and I know the last two weeks has been a lot about sharing of stories, but I, I think to um, sort of, I, I, I guess I feel a little bit awkward saying this this way, but in the in a positive context to sort of, I guess, validate some of the things that they will contribute this evening as a part of the healing process and the, the becoming a part of the kind of uh, culture that Paul was talking about. I, I feel like it's important to hear some of their story so that those of you that are watching and listening can, can understand where they're coming from. Uh, that that they're not here just speaking uh, uh, hypothetically or or in theory, but they both are able to share from their own personal, real life experiences. So we're gonna we're gonna spend a few minutes here, um, and kind of a depending how long they feel comfortable and what they feel comfortable sharing. Um, so we're we're gonna begin that way this evening. And um, so, uh, Brother, Brother Middleton, I think we will reverse the ladies' first trend and um, allow you to uh, just, just kind of share some to whatever level you feel and you're comfortable 
um, with some of your experiences in this in this area. Well, first of all, thank you for allowing me to be here this evening, yes, sir. Uh, as many of you know, watching, um, uh, I've been a part of this church, this particular body of believers for the past 39 years. Uh, and by the way, I love being here. But it wasn't always like that. Uh, I was raised in a military family. Um, in the first few years uh, of my upbringing, uh, it was pretty painless. Uh, we grew up overseas, uh, different places, and being in the military, we met all kinds of people. Blacks, whites, Hispanics, Puerto Ricans, Germans, Chinese, all kinds of people. So we learned to 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 get along with everybody. Uh, but um, as time goes on, uh, my mom and dad are from uh, I guess you would call it Deep South. They are from South Carolina, and. Uh, when my parents decided to go back to South Carolina, I was in for a rude awakening. Um, life was not the same. No. It was very, very different. Um, I found that I wasn't welcome in certain uh, restrooms or even drinking from a fountain. Um, in school, they often chased us around, uh, wanting to dump our heads in the toilets, uh, things like that. And uh, we went to a segregated school. My family was one of the first ones that we, when they did the desegregating and they uh, allowed us all to come to school together, that was a little bit difficult. Uh, when my parents, my dad being in military, um, he was very decorated um, NCO, uh, but I've seen him taken away in handcuffs for, for minor um, traffic violations, mm-hmm. different things like that. Uh, so the way I feel today, um, didn't come without price or hurt. Uh, when I came to Antioch in 1981, it was only something that I hoped that could happen. It was something that I only hoped that we could just get along and, uh, I mean, the different races and, and, and love each other. Um, at first, it was. It seemed very, very. Uh, it was very, very bright, very, very hopeful. Uh, but we had a couple of things on as an adult that happened, uh, and I really don't want to get bogged down in sharing bad experiences. But I think one of the last things that happened for me was I was on uh, the light rail, and. Uh, I was coming home and I was reading a newspaper 
someone at the bus station. I was about ready to buy a ticket. And they said, hey, don't waste your money. I got a ticket you can use. Um, I'm not going that direction. So he gave me a ticket. I get on the light rail. And while I'm sitting there, I'm reading a newspaper that was next to me. And the cops walk by and see two sets of shoes under the newspaper. And they asked me, and he said, uh, do you have a ticket? I showed him the ticket. Where did you get this ticket? Mm-hmm. I told him where I got the ticket. Well, you're going to have to get off at the next stop. And you're going to have to buy your own ticket. And so I had to get off. It was wintertime. It was cold. And uh, I got off, waited another half an hour for a train, and came home. All this time there's turmoil. Uh, at first there was a lot of hope, and now I'm seeing things that I saw at home. And uh, as time goes on, uh, there was ministry that took place, a lot of uh, preaching that took place, and it was based along the lines of, of inner healings. And uh, when I heard this inner healing, because if you looked at me, I was a scrapping young man. I was healthy. Uh, From the outside, I looked fine. But on the inside, I was a mess. Uh, Full of hurt, full of disappointment, uh, disillusionment. And as uh, our pastor, Bishop Wright, was ministering, these inner healings, this concept of inner healing, a lot of these things over time begin to flow to the top. All of these uh, feelings of anger and hurt and disappointment, rejection, all of this stuff started rising to the top. And I realized that I could either turn back or I could embrace what he was teaching, even though it was different than what I had experienced growing up. And I decided to embrace it. And uh, The more and more that I embraced it, uh, I found that the Lord began to heal. Mm-hmm. And I realized that this was more than a, just accepting doctrine but I had presented myself to the Lord and in that relationship he was able to reach in and pull out a lot of that hurt a lot of that disappointment a lot of that pain Mm -hmm. and only then was I able to begin to to really see clearly Um, every before then it was like my hopes they were clouded with with uh, how I was treated in the past, um, how people perceived me in the past. Um, I, I tease about it, but um, I'm sorry, Pastor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I tease about it, but I'm a dark-skinned black male. And uh, 
my experience was that we often got treated worse. Yes. And we worked two or three times as hard as everybody else, but still you felt like there was a hand that was just pressing you down, not allowing you to to even show what you had on the inside. Mm. And uh, so um, as this ministry took place, this is something that, that, that uh, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. This was, this was over a period of time. Mm. I mean, the life that I enjoy today is a testament to those, I'm going to say years that mm. I was embracing this new found, uh, right. these newfound principles. And I realized I was sharing with someone the other day, a lot of times uh, a message is preached, principles are preached, they're released into the air congregation. But I realized that that message is preached to a multitude of people, but only the individual who embraces them mm -hmm. is the one that is transformed. Right. So you may be the only one that experiences true healing where your life is totally liberated and, and changed. Uh, and that's what happened for me. Uh, when I came here, it was a number of years before I was able to go back home. I was wondering why the Lord didn't allow me to go back home. And today I can say I have a little bit of an idea. And that is because I couldn't go back home hurting him with those same feelings. The Lord wanted to heal me mm -hmm. and then show me off to my family. Mm -hmm. wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did. What a testimony. When I went home, they didn't know what to do with me. Mm -hmm. They were like, you mean you don't feel it? No, I don't. Changed, man. Well, what happened to you? And then I had to be really, really careful because to them, uh, coming to church is enough. Just coming to the, and like Pastor said earlier, you can come to the church, <laughs> but if you don't come to Jesus, if you don't surrender those things to Him, if you don't surrender those things at His feet, then uh, you chances are you only experience the kind of healing that I'm talking about. Right. Um, so it was uh, very, very, uh, for my uh, family, uh, my extended family, it's very, very, uh, uh, to be honest, they, don't, they really just don't know how to take us. Right. Because consequently, uh, I raised my children with a different set of values. Different, their whole lives are governed by a whole different set of rules and principles. And uh, those on the outside, uh, they may see a familiar skin color, but on the inside, 
we're not the same at all. And that's where it starts getting a little bit uh, tedious because uh, people look at you and think that you feel the same way that they feel. And it's only in a, I have to pick my spots. Uh, I can't go in a large group and then share this kind of testimony. It has to be one on one because we end up going in places and areas where um, there's there's tears, um, there's a lot of pain, um, but in reality, if we embrace Him and allow Him the Lord to do what he promised. Uh, to me, salvation is more than Acts 2.38. Yeah. Everybody's loaded with an Acts and 2.38. has got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but it, it's much more than that. Uh, I, I believe Acts 2 and all the other scriptures, those are their formulas. But they're not the good news. The good news is what he did in here for me. Mm-hmm. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the testimony yeah. yes. that he wants us to share. That's what's real and allows people to to, to reach out with anticipation and hope that um, even though they're steeped in some of this and don't know their way out, that when they hear a testimony like this one or like the one that um, Sister Evan will share. Uh, it, it provides a light, provides a light of direction and hope that people can gravitate to. But everybody doesn't feel the same way. Sometimes it's a point of ridicule. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but that healing, I, I, I it, it, it absolutely just changed my life you know it's just so in the last couple of weeks obviously doing this I think sometimes again media in a lot of different ways and I'm not here to you know just blanket with a blanket bash the media I don't think everybody in the media but I and I don't mean just media I mean even the entertainment industry I think I think we become numb to a lot of things. We get so much information. And uh, I, I think one of the things for me personally in these last couple of weeks in participating in this is is um, you know, listening, not, not a life story being portrayed in a movie mm-hmm. or reading a book about somebody, but firsthand um, hearing the, the reality of, of you know not being welcomed at a restaurant or a water fountain those are things you hear about but I just I just have to say uh, in this experience this last couple of weeks just the, the I think uh, soberness probably is the best word I can think of at this point just sort of the soberness of realizing you know that that wasn't just an isolated Incident. thing 
thousands and thousands, probably millions, but lives were were directly impacted. So, um, you know, as I've said the last couple of weeks, I didn't say it yet tonight, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a sociologist, I'm a pastor, and I'm here motivated as a pastor. Um, and uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna bring out a little different side here this evening than we've done the last couple of uh, weeks, and uh, I believe we've done the last couple of weeks uh, what I've felt led to do. I've expressed to a couple of people. I have not sat around and brainstormed what can we do, what should we do. All of this, to the best of my ability, has been following the leading of the Spirit. And um, I guess about a week ago, I think it was, um, maybe two weeks ago, again, we're coming out of some of this COVID stuff, but I still, my brain is still in a bit of a fog with timing. Uh, But Sister uh, Evans shared, um, reached out and shared something with me um, that I had no idea, and I don't think perhaps many do, uh, some experiences that that she has had and I felt like it kind of would bring a little bit of a balance to realize uh, that when we come into the church it's not only one group of people where again whether that's race or economic whatever it is and obviously our focus these last couple of weeks has been more so culture race but it, it's not just one segment of the sort of the population that has to be willing to embrace that process of healing, uh, forgiveness, etc. And so, uh, again, to whatever level uh, Sister Evans is is comfortable with it, I want her to share um, some of her experiences and and what a testimony uh, of, again, all of us having to be willing to embrace this process of of healing and forgiveness and letting the Spirit of the Lord do what what He ultimately wants to do in our lives. So, Sister Evans, thank you for being willing, and Brother Middleton also. Um, Yes. I I, uh, appreciate deeply you being willing to be vulnerable this evening and join in this conversation. So I didn't say that already, but I want to add that in. Um, so, Sister Evans. Again, thank you for having me here today in your home. And I have never reached out to the, the bishop, my pastor, pastor before you. I've never reached out. Never felt compelled. <laughs> um, but I was at work. And I heard your message. And you're at the war memorial. You're at the war memorial. What a place to be, because we're in a war right now. And I heard your message and I hurt because of situations like this. And we're still there. And there's people like this that are like, what do we do with this? What do I do? I am here, and what do I do with this? And God put you in a place, in a war memorial, to come against, to come up to somebody that is totally against your personality, 
and reach out and talk to them and say, what do I do? And they basically said, open up. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about it because I don't know your hurts. Mm -hmm. And when I see you preaching and you are full of energy and positive Mm -hmm. and I draw from your positiveness and then I find out the hurt that's there. And I think about God and he's looking at the earth and his children are fighting. His children are fighting. And I think about what I felt like when my children were fighting. And he hurt like we hurt. And so I'm sitting at work in my lunchtime and I hear that. And I felt compelled. I didn't spell things right. I didn't word it right. It just poured out for the first time in 40 years. My children have not heard this. Wow. Because I don't want to spread any hurt mm. that might be me hurt. to somebody else. Yeah. I don't want my bitterness to be with my brother and sister. Mm. But I felt compelled to share it. Because there's people that are going to look at me and they're going to say, Kathy, you got it all together. Mm. The outside looks good. You've got a beautiful family. Look at your husband. You drive a nice car. You have a house. You don't know what hurt is. You don't know what I've been through. My hurt is worse than yours. And we can't do that because we're not all cookie cutters. We are all different. We all react different. We all have different experiences. And my hurt might affect you differently because of your hurt. My words might affect you, same words, differently. And so I felt compelled... And this is basically what I wrote. I'm at work at lunch. I just watched your message. I've never shared this, but felt to do so today. I was raised in a row home in Baltimore. Baltimore has many things to be proud of. I got many things that aren't. I was there for the protests, the rioting, the looting in the 60s and the 70s. I was jacked up against the lockers at school. Thank God the last time, there was someone of my friends who was part of the gang and said, let her go. Mm-hmm. And my feet hit the floor and they went another way. I know what that feels like. We had many police cars on the lower lot, the upper parking lot, and the school, the shopping centers across the street for three days because of the riots. Our parents never said, don't go to school. So you went on the bus corner by yourself, you got on the bus and you went to school. The school said, you don't have to go to class, you just go, we're safe. Roll call won't be held. You won't be held against you if you cut class. Um, And we went through it. And I can't say that my parents ever really said anything about it. It was go to school, come back. It is what it is. There wasn't any bitterness. I wasn't taught to hate the ones that did whatever. It was just... That's part of life. What do you want for dinner? Um, So my father decided he wasn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. He couldn't work for anybody. He decided to sell the house, Nargo home. The little bit of equity he had in it, he bought a bar in downtown Baltimore. It was broken into many times. The last time, they literally took the three-tiered sink off the wall, stole all the liquor, and even stole the cigarette machine. 
destroyed the place. And that was it. When I say he sold it, it wasn't for much. It didn't pay the bills. He still had to pay for the loan. My parents divorced shortly after that. That was too much stress. It affected the whole family. Now, you know, Christmases weren't much. Birthdays were, you know, um, not much at all. But there was no bitterness that my parents displayed to me. They didn't say, well, because the bar was broken into, because we lost the business, because we lost the house. No, it was just, that's life, and sometimes you roll with the punches. That's just the way it is. And so I was naive enough to believe that, that you just, that's the way it is. Some people have, and some people don't, and I'm okay with where I'm at. It's just what it was. And I say that my, um, my parents were not Christians, obviously. They weren't Christians. So this didn't come from, you have to forgive, your Heavenly Father won't forgive. Hmm. Wow. This was just life. life. Hmm. Go on. Hmm. And I did. And I was happy. Did it hurt? Yes, it hurt. Of course it hurt. But you bury it sometimes only to show up later, mm-hmm. at the wrong moment. And eventually you have to go through it. And when I say, um, when I listened, you know, the other day, the last two weeks, and I'm listening to the young people, and I'm going, you don't know how to forgive. You don't know how to teach your children. And as strange as a sentence, this teaches my, shows my age. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about it, when I first got in the church, 40 years ago. Um, I read where it said that the gray-haired ladies were there to teach the younger. And I thought, where's the gray-haired ladies? They weren't there. We were all young, and you just had to get down on your knees and figure it out for yourself. You had nobody to go to. You didn't have anybody that you could talk to about it. It was you and Jesus. And you got in your prayer closet. And, um, And you read your word. And the word said, Psalms 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against God. So what am I going to do with this hurt? What am I going to do with the pain that I have? Because that was just one example. And I only gave that to show that, no, my life was not always perfect. And that's the only reason I said, my life wasn't always perfect. But when I came into the church and I learned that, okay, What am I going to do with this anger? What am I going to do with the pain that I feel? What do I do with the pain when I see a brother or sister that's in pain? I have to go back to the Word. And I have to hide it in my heart. In Ephesians 4.26 it says, Be angry and sin not. It's not a sin to be angry. And that's what we have to teach our children. It's not, not, oh, be quiet. Mm -hmm. Suck it up. Well, if you suck it up, you're going to have a lot of stuff down in there. You can't suck it up. You have to give it up. How many times do you have to do that? 70 times 7 in the day? Well, oh, that's, that's not easy. So one of the sisters said, when do we start teaching our children these things? When do we start teaching our children about racism? When do we start teaching our children that they're not always going to be welcome? When? 
we look back again and we say, when do they teach parents that are adopting a child to tell the child about adoption? That first day. Because that first day, the parent in that uncomfortable situation is going to start talking to that child and eventually they're going to be feeling more and more comfortable talking about it. So when do you talk about racism to your children? You can start day one, but how much are you going to tell them? As they grow and as they ask simple questions, you answer their simple questions with an answer that they can handle. Right. So, I think about the Bible stories, because you have to lay a foundation of what we're teaching our children. So what is the foundation? And when I had the 13, 14-year-old class, this got taught a lot. Because when the bishop first started care groups, way back when, do you remember he wrote the lesson every week? And it was forgiveness, I think, for a year straight, every week. It was forgiveness. Forgiveness was drilled into us. We weren't going any farther. God was not going to hear our prayer unless we forgave. Our Father wasn't going to forgive us. It was we had to forgive. So yes, this was instilled in us from way back when. So in my 13, 14, you know, you're listening to the kids. We're just playing. We're just having a grand old time. And that's how you learn where they are. Where are they at? What are they talking about? I didn't invite. I didn't get invited to a party. Somebody had a party. I wasn't allowed to go there. Why wasn't I invited to so-and-so's party? So we had a big lesson on Joseph. Did you know Joseph didn't get invited to the party? How do I relate the Bible and the Old Testament to their lives today? Dave was out on the backside of the desert feeding the sheep. And do you believe his whole family was having dinner together? And the prophet was coming over and David did not get invited to the house? Can you imagine inviting one of the great prophets of today, a great pastor to your house and not inviting one of your kids, sending him out to do chores? David didn't get invited to the party. That's how you start telling your children. Lay the foundation first. That way when it comes up, you can say, I know, it hurts. There's pain. I think, and I'm sure you, and he's probably pegging on it already, but the foundation of all of this is the willingness to, to forgive, mm-hmm. to let go. Let go and let God. Your identity can't be in your pain or in your disappointment. Right. You have to be willing to let go. This, this thing we call salvation is much bigger than getting wet. <laughs> it's much all exhilarating as it is, it's more than talking in tongues. Okay? But when you think about salvation, when I think about salvation, it's supposed to affect every element of your life in restoration and healing. I mean, many of us, we really don't even know who we are because we've taken our identity and all of that from, not from the good things that he has prepared for us, but from our Mm -hmm. painful experiences that we cannot shake. Uh, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, was preaching and uh, 
and I, this is just a thought, it came to the bridge to salvation. Mm-hmm. You got to cross that bridge to get to what He has prepared for us. And that bridge was a bridge of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And crossing that bridge and letting go is not always an easy thing. I remember the first time I crossed the uh, Bay Bridge. (laughs) I was shaking, my hands were sweating, the winds were blowing, I just didn't know how. It was the first time and I was just, and and immediately as that came back to me when when I began to think about what God has prepared for His people, and a lot of us, in in trying to get there, we have to we have to cross that bridge of fear. We have to cross that bridge and forgive. We have to cross that bridge and let go. But everything that we know and associate with is tied to something else. But if we can make it to the other side, ah yes. If we can make it to the other side, we can see all, we can partake of all that he has prepared for us. But how many of us, for fear, either stop some portion way up or even turn back? But that, that bridge to me is loving my neighbor regardless of mm-hmm. what he is he or she is packaged in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Letting go of all of those things and and, and, uh, and loving them like as simple as it is. Treat them like you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. I'm not always successful but that is one thing I try to do every day. How do you want to be treated? How would you feel if you were in their shoes under those circumstances? Mm-hmm. And if I may, and I'll stop right here. You know, this world's not perfect. The church is being perfected. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that we will see, a lot of things that we will experience and go through. But from the perspective of the other guy's shoes, I'm not saying what this this, this officer did was correct. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. From what I saw, it was pretty incriminating. But you ever think about what his day was like? Right. You ever think about what he went through before that set of circumstances took place? I was a correctional officer. I know the stress mm-hmm. that I lived under and trying to make a judgment call mm-hmm. like that. You say, well, training. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. military guys get trained, but they suffer PS- with PTSD. There's, there's, I mean, you can't go through things like that without suffering some... And, and, you know, like I said, this guy, I never, I don't know the guy, but I just tried to put myself, what what made him snap? Mm-hmm. What made him come to that point to where I, I, 
I doubt very seriously that it was just mm. hate. I, I, I doubt it. Mm. It may have been, and I could be wrong, but I choose to look at it from a different perspective. Maybe he had a rough day. Maybe he had a difficult time. Maybe he was in a rough situation earlier that morning. He got called on, and, and he's got to make, and he finds himself in this situation. I'm not saying that's the way it is, but what would you have done if you were? That's what I asked myself. And how would you want to be treated in that situation? That's honestly the way. My, my wife and kids, I was telling this story the other day, and they were like, I never looked at it from that perspective, Dad. But we're all humans. This is this, 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 this racism thing, this, all of this. Think of it what you may, but I don't think it's a natural thing. I think it's a spiritual thing that needs to be dealt with from a spiritual perspective. We, Al Sharpton can't tell you how to deal with this. <laughs> the NAACP, they can't tell you how to deal with this. They can't. Okay? Our answers come from above. And that's where healing lies in him. Absolutely. Yeah. Got any more you want to share? Sure. Okay. <laughs> this is good, good stuff. Just, good stuff. You know, amen and amen. <sighs> it's really how do you how do you do that though? Mm-hmm. And that's what you know. In my class, I was I was trying to teach them learn the stories of the Bible. Mm. You've had our stories the last couple of weeks. We had your story, my story. But how does, what does God think about it? So let's go to the stories. And, and you're talking about Joseph. We spent a long time on Joseph, teaching these kids that, yeah, he was a slave like everybody else. Not everybody. He was a slave. Mm-hmm. Like his. But it was his own brothers that sold him. So do you think coming into the church, your own brothers aren't going to hurt you sometimes? Mm-hmm. They're our brothers, but it's going to hurt sometimes. Maybe they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So even if that police officer meant it for evil, God was using it to make you what you are today. I think it brings about, for me, I think one of the earlier conversations I had with Pastor before tonight, we are talking about it. Honestly, I think it is a time of healing. This is a season that the Lord has allowed. Yes, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. And there are those that face and deal with these challenges in the church, but there is an opportunity, there is a season. If we have these kind of issues, there's a God that's willing to heal and to forgive. And uh, I... I choose to believe that this is a season for the church to be healed so that we can be um, that light on the hill. 
you know, I think Kathy, what Sister Evans, um, you know, one of the, I guess, the issues people bring up today with Scripture and it being not relevant to me, what you're bringing out with, as you're saying, those stories that all are such great examples of that process that individuals had to work through mm-hmm. and, and embrace. And we have those, not only do we have our stories, but we have those unchanging references that are, that are in our Bibles as well. And, and how do I do that? You know, somebody said, I, I went to the altar and I felt changed. Next week I wasn't. Well, well how, do you, how do you do that? How, how do you keep going back? Yes, it's a process. It takes years sometimes. Some of the stuff that we buried down as a child, it takes years to come out. Years to come out. And how do I do that? I hear in my head when something comes into my mind, I can hear Sister Wright singing. I, if I hold my peace, then the Lord's going to fight my battle. Victory is going to be mine. Victory is going to be mine. You know, it's going to be mine. When I um, give it all to Jesus, give it all to Jesus, and He will turn your heartache into joy. That's what I have to do. Sometimes, 70 times 7 in a day. When I hear Esther singing, you know, break every chain. Break every chain. This is how I fight my battles. How do I fight my battles? Because sometimes for me, it is, yeah, that noise. What, the, what is going through my head, trying to get me to nourish those wounds. No, I'm not going to do it. And if it means, no, this is how I fight my battles. No, I'm going to get down and pray. If I'm, if I'm going to put on music, because that helps me. When I'm at church and a song comes on, and I know that everybody is healed different. Everybody responds differently to different things. Some people don't like the music. It's too repetitive. And I'm like, no, that's what I like. Because as you're singing this same chorus over and over, my mind, God is using whatever's going on in my mind to say, okay, this is how you're going to do it. And so you're singing in the background to what God is doing with me, but I'm soul searching during that time. I'm going... Okay, what are, we, what are we doing here? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And that's that. You gotta, you gotta grip it. You gotta get down into prayer. It's one on one with Jesus, and no counselor, no man, can really do what Jesus is doing. Mm-hmm. And no, it's um, over and over again. When you chop down a tree, are there little sprouts that come up? Right. Absolutely. What does it take? And oh, I thought I was healed of that wound. Mm-hmm. No, hind feet on high places. I thought I was healed of that wound. No, but that tree is still shooting up little shoots. And when I saw this come up in my life again, no, that's just a little one. That the big one we got dealt with, but these little ones we can trim them up. Mm-hmm. We can trim them up. When uh, my kids started driving. Because that was one of the other questions they asked. Yeah, the police are more afraid of you than you are of them sometimes. I sent my kids to a driver's school, driver's ed school, that was run by a police officer. 
and I think he was retired. And he taught these kids, he said, I'll tell you one thing, every time an officer pulls somebody over, even if it's a traffic light, speeding, broken tail light, they have no idea if you're going to pull a gun on them. They don't know. They have no idea if this is the last breath they're going to take. And so they taught these kids, when the officer is sitting behind you, and you're thinking, what is he waiting for? He's waiting for you to get out license and registration and put your hands on 10 and 2. Mm. He wants your hands visible from back there. Mm. He wants you to say, like Josh did, yes, sir. Mm. Yes, sir. So my example, I don't know if my son will be mad at me for saying this publicly, but I've shared anyway. Years ago, when the kids would go after Sunday night service to Applebee's, and one of his friends came to Appleby, and he hadn't seen his friend in church in years. And he was so excited to see his childhood friend. And the kid had gotten into a lot of trouble. And not everybody was allowed to hang around with him. But this was his best friend. And after Applebee's, nobody would take him home. And James had his license. He was 16. He wasn't allowed to have anybody in the car. But he drove that way all the time anyway, so he thought, no problem. I can take him home and still get home by curfew if I drive fast. So he drove fast, and on the way home, he is driving the Explorer, which is known to tip, and he is going on, what, 70? About 90 miles an hour, when the officer pulled him over. And he is dressed nice, and he knew what to do. And he pulled out his license and his registration and it's on his lap. And he put his hands on 10 and 2. And he rolled down the window. And the police officer could have thrown him in jail. He could have taken his license. He could have given him at least 12 points, reckless endangerment, the whole nine yards. He could have thrown the book at him. Get out of the car, walk a line, whatever you have to do. Talk to the police officer. Yes, sir. Didn't question. Yes, sir. And the officer gave him a ticket. But I think it was only for like going over 10 miles over the speed limit. He still had to go to court. He still had to pay a hefty fine. And he learned a big lesson. And I taught them to respect authority. Sometimes that doesn't work. The authority is, there's good and bad. But when do we teach our kids this? You teach your kid, I don't care what anybody else is doing. You have to do what's right. I don't care, I had a sixth grade teacher that was really bad. And she got caught stealing meat from the Safeway across the street from the school. I still had to respect that teacher. I still had to go to school. My parents didn't go to school and say, take her out of that classroom. She was in a position of authority and she did a lot of bad things in that classroom. I still had to respect her authority. And that's the way I was taught. Respect that authority. So, the last thing. I've been wanting to teach Miss Agatha, who comes on Sunday morning. I've been wanting to teach her a Bible study. And this is one of the most amazing women. You've got to get to know her. Years ago, in another state, she was saved. And then came out here to Maryland and didn't know anybody and didn't go anywhere. 
And Walt and Jerry and Ferdozio had a small group in their apartment complex, and she started going. Mm. And then she moved out closer to Annapolis and lost touch with everything again. And at her job at Langton Green, she would have prayer meetings, Holy Ghost prayer meetings in that place where she would invite everybody there. She was getting that spirit moving there. She had the Holy Ghost. And it was in tongues prayer with bringing down the house. And I didn't know that. And I start, um, I see this, I was teaching the Sunday school downstairs. And I see Brenda upstairs with some of the people from Langton Green. And I was like, oh, hi. She used to work with me at Spot Creek. And I'm like, oh, hi. Well, you know, how you doing? And saw her a couple times. And then the Lord moved me out of the Sunday school. I wasn't bitter when I was asked to leave. I wasn't fired. That was what my authority said was for me. And I love that Sunday school. I didn't want to leave, but my authority said it's time. That opened the door for me to start the Bible study with Brenda and Gail at her house. Because now I could be upstairs with them. And that would have never happened if I didn't leave that Sunday school. And then I met Miss Agatha. And I wanted to just have a Bible study with her because she's not there anymore. And I've wanted to, and just things have gotten in, in, just in the way. Well, two weeks ago, I called her up and I said, we're doing it, can I come over? So we came over, we're social distancing while I'm at her house, and, you know, and, and her family really, you know, being elderly doesn't want her to, you know, catch anything. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this the way, oh, okay. I go over and I teach that first lesson, I think it's Exploring God's Word, and there's this big word on one of the pages, and it says choice. And all week long, I taught her the lesson. And she's thanking me for coming over. And I'm like, you don't understand what I'm getting out of this. You don't understand when we're teaching what we get out of it because we're praying over it. All week long, God has just had choice in my, in my everything that I'm doing. It's a choice. What do I want to do? And I'm thinking, that's what you teach your children. Everything's a choice. And we were taught, I don't know if it's bishop, I don't know if it was youth pastors, I don't remember. But they taught... You teach your kids. You don't wait until you're in the situation before you make a decision. Mm -hmm. When you're at the store with a friend and they steal, what are you going to do? Are you going to steal? Mm. When you're in a car with maybe your cousins that you haven't seen for a while, and you're very excited to be with them, and they pass a joint, your decision has to be made back then what you're going to do. So the second week I go in to teach Miss Agatha. And we're teaching on Cain and Abel. An Old Testament lesson. This is, I don't care if you're Muslim, I don't care if you're Christian, I don't care if you're Jewish. This is Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel and the brothers fighting. And because the pastor is always an example. <laughs> we taught about the older brother and the younger brother, and the jealousy. And we talked about how, yes, she's from Ghana, and she went to school with no shoes, and her little sister had shoes. She even made the point that I didn't understand at the time, I just let her talk, and she said, and her sister's shoes didn't smell. Hmm. Hmm. So thankful for shoes that didn't smell, but she was happy with being able to go to school because that was a privilege. 
and I told her about how I was called the Barefoot Kid. And we shared experiences, and then we talked about the older brother, and then we got to the point where Cain killed Abel. And both of us, the tears came to our eyes because it said that Abel's blood was crying from the ground. And we thought about how does that relate to today? How does that relate to today? George, I can tell you, that last breath you took, God heard it. God didn't let Abel live. I don't know why God didn't let Abel live, but I could talk to George's mother who was hurting. I could talk to his brothers, his sisters, his family, his close relatives and say, you know what? God was there with his last breath because God is not a respecter of persons. And if he was there with Abel and he allowed Abel to die, I can't explain why what happened to George. I can't explain that other than spiritually there is a war that's going on and united we stand and divided we fall. And if anybody is trying to get a hold of this country or to capture this country or if spiritually things are going on, it's going to be because we, we're divided. We're divided and we can't let that happen. And Miss Agatha and I were in her house and both of us at the same time with the Holy Ghost filled in this house with this woman who's retired who can't get out of her house except for a very short time praise in that house so when you think you're alone there are people out there that you don't even know about and they're interceding they're interceding for the church they're interceding for the people she's interceding for her people in Ghana she's interceding for the Abels that are out there whose blood is out on the street right now because people don't know what to do with their anger and our hands were raised in prayer that was so strong in that place. Mm. Praying to heal the wounds. Mm. The bishop talked about, you know, what did his parents do? And they bought him that little punching bag thing. Be angry and sin not. So what are we teaching our kids to do with this anger? There is anger. You're going to go through hurt. You're going to go through guilt. The, the stages of, of grief... There's going to be denial. There's going to be anger. There's going to be bitterness. There's going to be blame. There's going to be depression. What's it going to take before you get to the acceptance? Go back and forth in all of them as we spend that time in healing. Mm -hmm. But as we lay them at the altar, as we lay these over and over again, and teaching our children, yes, there's bad in the world. And when your brother steals your shovel out of the sandbox... The little steps, as a little child, what are we going to do? What are you going to do with the anger that you have against your brother for stealing your shovel? I, I think that, and I, you know, I, I, I keep saying it really sort of reluctantly, but hopefully by now there's enough demonstration of my heart, my spirit, but, you know, we just... The world has no, you've already said it this evening, the world does not have the ability to fix this. I heard a, I watched uh, somebody had posted a link on Facebook today, um, and it was, uh, it was part of it was an interview with uh, Condoleezza Rice, and uh, she was, she was actually, uh, she was kind of, 
giving a little pushback to the interviewer uh, because I think the interviewer was sort of trying to lead her and uh, she was making the point that, that there has, in her lifetime, in her experience, there has been improvements with regards to racism and the things that she has experienced in her past. And so, on one hand, that's, that's great to hear, but again, the point is the world has not fixed the problem because right. it can't fix the problem. Right. Right. And, and, you know, we, the, the point in, uh, about anger, and it's so true, anger is not the issue, it's not the problem, and it's okay to get angry. The issue is what do you do with that anger, and, and I think, you know, we've seen it, and, and I feel like, again, I'm really not trying to bash the media here, uh, but I, I feel like the media contributes to this frenzy of anger but it has no idea what to do to solve the anger and to get and so we're just left with you know a lot of times more destruction because all we've done is fuel the anger and and we haven't or the world doesn't know how to embrace and right. I, I know one of you maybe both of you said it but such a key word is the process that it's not I mean and, and I, I think I've, I've heard it here this evening and in sort of other ways the last couple of weeks. It, it's, it's not the moment you get the Holy Ghost and get baptized in Jesus' name and speak in other tongues. Poof, everything is just right. fine. You've, you've got these, you know, Paul says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. But I don't know of one person the moment they got baptized and got the Holy Ghost, everything was absolutely perfect. Because the principle to me is God calls those things that are not as though they were. And so it, it is such a, what Paul was saying was the power of God is so complete and so able that you are, you are going, you're going to be a brand new person. Right. But God calls what hasn't happened yet with such certainty that if it's already done, so we are a new creature. And and again, I apologize. One of you touched on this, but you you just because you got the Holy Ghost didn't mean everything just mm-hmm. you, it just all went away. It was all fine. You still had to allow that process to take place. And it, one of the other things, and I've I've, I've kind of picked it up. From both of you here, and, and especially in the context of that next generation, the the danger, not only the danger but the tendency, is to transfer the bitterness. Right. I mean, you could have easily taken the experiences you had, and 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 Isaac and Bethany and Ruthie may not have had those same experiences, right. but you could have, by your your actions, your words. Etc. Transmitted that we and yet when we take that attitude and approach of forgiveness and and again that's kind of going back to some of my opening comments and and the burden for this evening is if all we ever do is poke the wound yeah we got okay the wound's there what okay but but but, but what's the answer what's, what's next. The answer and, and, and the last two weeks have demonstrated it, but I think even more tonight and the focus of this is the demonstration 
of the power of God to truly bring about that healing. And 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 there's there's another thing we've touched on here a little bit. I, I looked it up today, and um, as with any verse, any passage, there's there's varying applications. But I believe it's uh, I believe it was Zechariah. I think it is talks about being wounded in the house of I was friends. wounded in the house of my friends. Right. And and I've tried to say it the last two weeks, and this is not at all intended to be a cop out or an excuse. But just because we are in the church does not mean we become exempt exactly. from further wounds. Because the bottom line is no one can hurt us like those that are closest to us. <laughs> I, I mean the stranger on the street can Tell me I'm the ugliest person they've ever seen and may annoy me, but okay, whatever. But, you know, if my wife were to tell me, you know, I, I used to think you were good looking, but I just don't anymore. That, that's going to cut really deep. And, and uh, again, I apologize. Everything's kind of running together. What one of you have touched on it. I mean, the enemy's looking for that opportunity to, to sow discord and, and bring division. And, and when we not only embrace that process from the beginning and what we need, but also have to keep in mind, I'm, I'm probably going to have to <laughs> reapply this at some point in right. the future. I mean, we've heard it the last two weeks, some of the hurts that people have encountered in the body. Right. And, and, and it just, I think part of the burden that I have is the world does such a great job of, of stirring up the issue. It just never gets, and again, it's because it can't, but it never gets us to the thing we're, we're hearing here this evening. I mean, there's every, from a natural standpoint, there is every reason in the world for us not to be sitting here in this living room this evening. Absolutely. And, and that, is, that is such an amazing testimony and, and the thing about it is we sit here, and I've done it the last two weeks. It's not like this, um, I don't even know how to say it, but it's, it's not like this awkward thing of, you know, where we're just going to, it's, it's not that at all. We, we walk into my house these last couple of weeks, people of different color, different background, and it, they're, they're, they're feels your, your no different. We're, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and I think it's that's, again, the testimony of the power of God and the potential in the church. But as we've already said, just because you're in the church doesn't mean right. you individually are forgiving and allowing God to work you through that process. Um and, and and go layer by layer. I think also, too, uh, while you were speaking there, uh, I could hear, I believe it's Paul. Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. Yes. We have to be willing to forget. Mm-hmm. We have to be willing to let go. And I don't believe, you know, someone that goes through those kind of things on their own just wiped out of their mind but with the help of God you can choose to forget I choose not to hold that against you I I make it a choice reinforced by the spirit of God I make a choice 
to think differently. And uh, I think if if we could somehow, I could, help people to forget. Mm -hmm. Just help them forget. And then we can go on. And I think the other danger, and I think you said this, Sister Evans, is you know, part of our human nature is we want we want vengeance mm -hmm. and we want to get even. And the and the willingness to trust that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Um, is is a challenging thing, and again, from a human standpoint, it's just it's kind of the way we're wired, you know. But when we are truly embracing that process of healing and forgiveness, and then the the willingness that I don't need to get even, right. and and that the bottom line is even that is not going. To satisfy and heal the wound, getting even is getting back at those that have hurt you. Does not take away your take wound away. No, at all, not. and mm -hmm. and so it it is forgiveness and and uh, again allowing that that process. Um, and, and I hope um, out of these last couple of weeks and tonight, those that are still maybe more on that side of hanging on to their wound can can use this as that healing beginning of that healing process hearing uh, the stories of others who have gone through similar things and and, and overcome them healing. We can, as and church, embrace that we can yes. facilitate that healing right. Right. Wow. Hmm. so I, I guess maybe um we just throw this out there as we can we kind of wind down here but um, any 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 challenges I guess I'm going to address this more so to you brother Middleton but any any challenges that the the I, I'm trying to figure out the best way of saying it but any challenges that were unnecessarily caused by the body to make that process of embracing that healing. Um, were, were there any challenges that, again, as we are trying to evaluate where we are and move forward to be right. as healthy, is is especially when it comes to those that have been on the the end of experiencing prejudice and racism. Have I said, as I've tried to say, ultimately this isn't about two skin colors here. Right. <laughs> this is there is there's lots of cultures and ethnicities that experience. Um, I'm sure the uh, the the, uh, the Hispanics in our area, if we brought some of them into this conversation, sure. would have their own stories, etc. Sure. But um, so again, I guess let me try to get to my question. Is there anything as the body that that we can improve on in helping to facilitate that? And going back to what Brother Brown said, again, I deeply appreciate that. That you know we, we're not um, 
we're not in bad shape here. We're not failures. We've obviously got a lot going, but in wanting to make sure that we uh, continue in an atmosphere and, and where we can all come together and embracing that culture of of Christ and not our own culture is is there any unnecessary obstacles that we can help to eliminate uh, that's a big question <laughs> uh, uh, simply because we're all human the human element that makes us the church <laughs> and you have you know, the way I look at it uh, you, you would think in the church okay in the idealistic way of looking at it you would think okay this is the church there's no there should not be any kind of uh, racial divide or anything like that but in truth if we are who we say we are and we are reaching touching those outside then there will be some element within the church because they're coming to be restored they're coming to be transformed they're coming to be okay so there's always going to be a certain element there that we will deal with. Uh, I think uh, for me uh, just being able to to understand that there's nobody without flaw. That we're all humans. We all have uh, strengths. We all have weaknesses. Um we all have likes and dislikes. We have our opinion. Everybody's got those. But we're all human. And if we can respect that human element mm-hmm. and give space for, for that transformation to take it, does that make sense? Yeah. Give space for that humanity to be expressed so that we can address those needs as they are presented. There's none of us, you know, we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to be completely or wang. We're going to be working on something. <laughs> and, you know, the dear sister that's going to get the Holy Ghost Sunday morning, she may come in and this may be the most loving place she's ever been and the power of God is moving. I've never felt anything like this before in my life and six months down the road oh the Lord begins to (laughs) okay but when that comes to the surface she's no less than who she was so when we see these things don't be overtaken by them. Don't be shocked by them. Let them be met with a little bit of understanding and grace that allows us to work with them through that, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Along the hill. And, you know, we're all coming from wherever we come from. Mm-hmm. And we're all journeying to, 
to that place. And none of us knows where that place is. <laughs> it's funny you said that. The first week that we met, before we started the live stream, Brother Prasad sat right there. And, and they had prayed together. And he said to Pastor, um, when we get done with this, I just don't want you to look at me differently. And I was just sitting in the other room and I heard him and I just instantly teared up. And I thought, what does he mean by that? And I, and just sitting here thinking about what you said, I just wonder if there's folks who are afraid to express some of these things because they might seem unchristian. Or they might seem, or or share their experience, and they're afraid of the reaction. The reaction. That well, reaction. I feel like if we in, are reacting properly, that's what's gonna right. cause that but healing. You have to experience some of that healing first, yeah. and for yourself yeah. to allow someone yeah. else right. to come through right. that. Um, we were talking earlier, and I think there's two things that are very essential in this whole process. And they may not seem, well, I mean, they're spiritual, but you're going to see some things about yourself, you know, that's, you will have to be courageous enough to look at them mm-hmm. and see them for what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honesty, I mean, when I was in the throes of this process, I mean, there were things coming out of me, I was going, mm-hmm. you know, feelings that just, kind of came up that I didn't even know was there and I you know and I, but I couldn't call it something else if it was bigotry it was bigotry if it was prejudice it was prejudice don't call it something else I'm talking about me now and it was only by looking at it through those, that, that lens truth that I was able to to make the progress that I did and it's amazing because <laughs> when you receive a measure of healing it does not take a whole lot of sensitivity to find somebody who's hurting mm-hmm. you, you've been there you know you can see it coming down the road. They may not even realize what's going on with them, but because of where you've been, where you've come from, what God has done, you're like, that's where they are. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a young man just the other day, and he says, well, Brother Middleton, he says, the thing, and just the other day, not very long ago, uh, he says, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm sitting here in this, body and nobody sees me. Nobody sees my 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 my, my challenges and my 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 hurts, my hang ups. Many people like that. And and, and, and and I told him I said, look, I said, we've been talking now for the last little while. And I said and I mentioned a specific conversation that you shared some things that day I said that I marked I marked to my spirit marked but I'm not going to jump in your wound tomorrow mm-hmm. 
okay? But I mark those things so that as we further along in our relationship and his, you know, some of this stuff, you're going to have to be able to trust somebody else to, to guide you through uh, without hurting you, defaming you, or what have you. And, and so those kind of things... I, I told my son years ago, I said, one of the most important things God will trust you with is another man's faults. Hmm. Remember that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because when he shows you their faults, he's entrusting you with that, not to put them on blast, but to use it to help them somewhere in their process. And I feel like in in this this discussion about racism, you you know, we all have friends who, let's be honest, they don't feel the same way you feel. They have their own right. views. They have their own feelings. Um, this 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 this. Uh, nobody's born racist. They've been taught these kind of things. It's a systemic thing. Okay, but. You can't just go in there and dismantle it, you understand, because you got a problem and this is how we're going to, no. Right. This is there, and this is how it was down south. It was, man, it, you know, and some of that's still going on down there. They made some progress, um, but there's no way I could go to South Carolina and live. The only way I could go to South Carolina and make a life down there is if God sent me. There's no way. Because of what God's done here. If I go down there, the expectation of who and what I should be is it's almost unbearable. Mm -hmm. You know? So, did that make sense, Pastor? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I don't want to take all your time. So. <laughs> I'm ready to get out from this <laughs> <light>. <laughs> So uh, I, I guess as we kind of wrap this up, uh, one of the one of the things Sister Evans referenced in her email to me that I don't think I heard her say this evening, and those of you that know me know I'm kind of always about a song, and uh, I want to just encourage somebody this evening um, if you're kind of on the beginning part of embracing this process and being willing to let go and and uh, it's a it's a very powerful song it's simply called forgiveness um, mm -hmm. by Matthew West and if you've never heard the story behind that you can you can look that up on YouTube um, I won't spoil it for you if you've never heard it because it's an amazing story but I, I just want to a couple of the lines here as, as we close. Um, the first verse says, It's the hardest thing to give away and the last thing on your mind today. It always goes to those who don't deserve. It's the opposite of how you feel when, they, when the pain they caused is just too real. It takes everything you have to say the word, forgiveness, forgiveness. It flies in the face of all your pride. 
It moves away the mad inside. It's always anger's own worst enemy. Even when the jury and the judge say, you've got a right to hold a grudge, it's the whisper in your ear saying, set it free. Another verse says, it'll clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. And, and that's the age-old challenge of bitterness is we don't see that it's us that it's ultimately destroying. That the person we're holding a grudge against is not the one that's being affected by our bitterness. It's us and what we see. My wife has shared something a number of times now that um, as she's looked back with some of her stuff from her childhood with her mother, she's used a, a phrase of, I think you say, looking through eyes of... Looking back with mercy. Looking back with mercy. And uh, I, I think as a part of this process, it's easy to focus on people's actions. Mm-hmm and miss that maybe what they were dealing with at that point caused them to say things and do things that we don't really understand. We don't understand why. It wasn't, you know, we could walk away taking it. It was just something on the surface. They, they you know, they, they said a racial slur. They treated me with, a, you know, with, the, the, with prejudice. And, and, and it's not easy to do it, but to pause and realize maybe there is, as you said earlier, maybe there's something deeper going on. But again, the bottom line is when I choose to hang on to all of that, right. I am ultimately the one that is being destroyed. And so the power of forgiveness to set us free, to not to continue living our lives looking through these filters that our hurts and pains have caused us to have is is really an amazing thing. So uh, let's let's just before we quit here this evening, uh, I want us to pray, and and I want us to especially pray this evening that for those of you that maybe either this live stream or you come across this archive, that that maybe you haven't quite started some of this process of forgiveness and healing. Um, and hopefully, not only what you've heard the last two weeks, but especially the testimonies of this evening would be an encouragement to you that as painful as that process is, that it's well worth it because of what it can bring about in your life. So, Father, I, I thank you. It's been said here this evening, God, and I truly believe it. You have. You have taken things that are evil and may have very well been meant for evil, but once again, I believe You are bringing good out of those things. God, I thank You for these last couple of weeks and this time that I believe You have directed us into. And I thank You for what's been done, and I believe, God, that there's some, there's some significant things. I believe there's some things that You're doing through this for us as a body collectively. And I also believe You've done some things in some individuals' lives. 
And God, I want to pray especially this evening for those that are in that phase of still living with the wounds and the hurts and, and they've yet to begin the process of forgiving and releasing those things. God, I'm asking You that by Your grace, You would help them, Lord. I, I know from a human standpoint, forgiveness is not the natural response to our wounds, to the mistreatment that we have received. That, that our humanity is it, it wants vengeance, it wants to get even, it wants payback. But God, not only does Your Word demonstrate it, we've heard it here this evening, Lord, and we've, we've seen it in the lives of numerous people, the power of forgiveness and the power of Your Spirit to heal. So I pray right now, Father, whether it's somebody that's watching us as we are live, or for those that are going to come across the archives of this evening in the future, that You would help them. God, those that are already in the process, and, and You've already done some healing, but there's deeper stuff that You desire to do. I pray that by Your grace, You would help them to, to embrace it. Lord, I know it's a painful process. The process of, of go, we have to go through as a part of the healing. It's, it's a challenging, painful process. But there's testimonies, God, in Your Word and testimonies in the lives of those around us that that, that process is worth it. Jesus. We trust You. Jesus, I declare tonight that You are the only answer. I know there's a lot of efforts in our world. I know there's a lot of organizations and there's a lot of groups that are trying to do good, God. But ultimately, You are the only answer. And so I pray also, God, that not only would You continue to be that, but, but even more, God, help our light to shine. Let the light, God, of the testimonies of what You've done in our lives shine into the darkness around us, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, in the midst of the spiritual opposition and the battle that is being raged in the realm of the Spirit, I know, God, that You're able to penetrate that. I know that light is able to penetrate the darkness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, God, what You have done for us represented here tonight, and what You've done for those that are watching right now, You're able, God, to do for those that are in the world around us that don't have hope. They have no hope, God for a solution, for an answer. So I pray, God, that that light would shine into the darkness through us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more time, Sister Evans, Brother Middleton, thank you so much for being willing to push past any of the Discomfort and the apprehension, and um, you you have been such a meaningful uh, contribution to these last three weeks, and so I thank you very much for being willing to join me. Thank you for joining us, and may the Lord do a work in your heart, in your life, in Jesus' name. Amen.